0: Hi there. You're listening to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City podcast. I'm Pastor John Witham. This sermon, At the Feet of Jesus, is from 8 March 2020. The scripture is Luke 10, 38-42, and is the second of our Lenten sermons. Thank you for listening, and may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. We welcome you to worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 819 John Adams Street, Oregon City, Oregon. story time from school. Do, do you remember story time from school? I loved story time. Um, you, you go and, and the teacher sets up a chair and all the little kids gather around and they squirm and they fidget and you don't remember doing that as a kid, but I, I happen to live with a teacher and I know that this is how things go and And they squirm, and they fidget, and they ask inane questions. Uh, But overall, the teacher, at least at some point, tells most of a story, if not all the story, on a good day. And everybody's sitting there. All the little boys and girls are there, gathered at the teacher's feet, and they're hearing the same story. And they're getting up after story time and going on to whatever's next. Now, sometimes story time is just fun, and you read a fun book just for the sake of of doing something enjoyable, but sometimes story time is instructional. Sometimes the story that is told at story time will be used by the teacher, again, first-hand knowledge, will be used by the teacher later on in the day for instructional purposes, And kids learn things like comprehension, and they learn to pay attention. But they also learn the value of learning together. And so today, we look at an instance where Jesus has gone into a home and is sitting, and people were sitting at his feet and listening to him. The feet of Jesus, I want to take just a moment to point out a couple of things about the feet of Jesus. Some people have an aversion to feet. Some people don't like feet. They don't like seeing feet. They don't like thinking about feet. And if you're one of those those people, I'm, I'm terribly sorry about the next like two minutes, but bear with me. I started looking through the scriptures, specifically the book of Luke, at the feet of Jesus. And anytime we see the feet of Jesus, they're mentioned in conjunction with people who shouldn't be there. Normally, in a setting like the one we just read about, when a rabbi would go into a place and sit down to teach, Seated at his feet would be men, especially if he were in a home, because after he would would teach, there would be food, not unlike Sunday mornings now. (laughs) And while he was teaching the men at his feet, the women would be in a different section of the house preparing the food. But here today, in Luke chapter 10, we see Mary at Jesus' feet. In Luke chapter 7, we see Jesus reclining at the meal and his feet are anointed by a sinful woman. She's not supposed to be there, but there she is. In Luke chapter 8, we meet a demon-possessed man of the Gerasenes named Legion. While his name isn't Legion, he's called Legion, because there are many demons inside of him. And after Jesus casts the demons out, the the townspeople come and find him seated at Jesus' feet. And in Luke chapter 17, which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, Jesus heals lepers, ten lepers. One of them comes back and says, Thank you. And it's a Samaritan man who falls at Jesus' feet. So at Jesus' feet are a lot of people who aren't supposed to be there. And this is worth keeping in mind. Because to be at Jesus' feet was expected to be something that was very special and reserved for a select group of approximately 12 people. But that's not the way it ends up, is it? Mary comes and sits at Jesus' feet. Martha, on the other hand, has just welcomed Jesus and 12 other guys, at least, we don't know for sure that there weren't more people, but we know there were at least... 13 hungry men who had just come off of the road, and she had welcomed them into her home and was expected to provide hospitality to them. And I don't know if you have ever had to feed a group of hungry fellas. Uh, I know it is incredibly difficult to feed a group of hungry teenagers, It's not easily done. It takes a lot of preparation. It takes a lot of work. But you do it, and you get the work done. And so here's Mary in the back, striving away to try to get this meal pulled together. Mary, meanwhile, is sitting at Jesus' feet. And we've all been here. Because as, as it says that Ma- Martha's getting the big dinner prepared, you can almost just hear it in her mind, just like we've all heard it in our minds. When somebody's supposed to be helping us and they're off loafing, you know the people. You're, you're trying to clean something or paint something or empty out that closet or, or whatever the chore is, and you're there, you just hear Martha going <coughs> Just stirring angrily. You can hear the ang- there's 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 comfortable stirring. There's the kind of stirring when you're happy that you know that you're getting. And then there's the angry stirring. And you just hear Mary angrily stirring whatever it is that she's cooking. Martha, you hear Martha cook, stirring whatever she's angrily cooking. And Martha finally can't take it anymore. She's had it up to here. So she goes in and she talks to Jesus and she says, Jesus, you tell that sister of mine. And Mary was more likely the younger sister, by the way. This is an older sibling thing. We get burdened down with the expectations of our parents. And then the younger children just, you know, oh, they're the baby. They don't have to. You're the response. You get that one for free. So Martha bursts in, Jesus, you tell that good-for-nothing sister of mine to get back in there and get back in the kitchen and help me out where I'm supposed to be. Whoo! This one's got juice. And Jesus, Jesus does something very unexpected. It would be unfair to say that women were, were completely left out of rabbinic learning. And it would be unfair and inaccurate to say that women were left out of training of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, because there are laws that pertain to, to women specifically, and they were trained in those laws. But it was very, very, very uncommon for a woman to be doing what Mary was doing. In the temple, in synagogues, the men stood on one side and the women stood on the other. In the homes, in the welcoming areas and in the dining areas, that was where the men were and the women were supposed to be in the private areas of the home, and the children were supposed to be outside. And so Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. And Martha bursts in to get Mary back into the place that she's supposed to be, and Jesus says, no, she's right where she needs to be. There's all sorts of rule-breaking going on here. But with one simple moment, Jesus turns the social norms of society at that time on their head. Because what Jesus is doing as he heads towards Jerusalem is he's setting out the agenda for the way things are going to be now. That the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, and as he goes along, he's setting things right. Through Jesus, our social order is upended, and we don't see each other the way that we used to. In Jesus, as Derek read from Galatians chapter 3, we are all one people, called from the darkness into the light. But the divisions that our world sets up disappear in the church. They disappear amongst God's people. This is what Paul was saying in Galatians chapter 3, Because this is what Jesus' movement was all about. Jesus' movement was not about respecting social order and structure and propriety. But the Jesus movement was about recognizing that God's kingdom values obedience to Jesus. Obedience lived out daily As disciples. That's what this new kingdom is all about. Mary wasn't just sitting at the feet of Jesus for story time. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus to hear his teaching. And you didn't sit at the feet of a rabbi as one who's auditing a college class. You're, you're not sitting at the feet of a rabbi like you would take a class on literature or poetry just for your own personal enrichment. You sat at the feet of a rabbi so that you could someday become a rabbi. Mary's not sitting at Jesus' feet so that she can just learn She's sitting at Jesus' feet so that she can go and be and teach and be a good, appropriately trained servant in God's kingdom. And Jesus doesn't take this away from her. Martha, while she's off, and and you've got to feel for Martha, Martha, Spare a thought of sympathy for Martha because Martha was doing what she thought was appropriately socially acceptable. And much like the firstborn, when it comes down to the firstborn and the baby of the family, the firstborn often ends up being the one, now don't you treat your sister that way. She gets the short end of the stick in this story. But spare a thought for her because it's just, the kingdom has just dawned on Martha. She sees now that Jesus is not as concerned with what he will eat or where he will sleep. But Jesus is concerned with people being his disciples. That he wants them to learn his ways So they can live his ways and they can show others how to live his ways. Jesus breaks the social barrier as well because he is rebuking Martha. He is rebuking his host. And he is saying that my ways are higher. My ways are the true ways to life. So where does that leave us today as followers of Jesus? Where does that leave us if we we have seen this this scene with with Mary and Martha, if we have seen this with Jesus, what does that mean for our day-to-day lives? Well, first of all, I think very simply, it means that when we, we, we need to strive in everything that we do, to be disciples. Male or female, Jew or Greek, no matter what class or group we have been lumped into by our contemporary society, We're called to be disciples, and those other divisions don't matter. It's interesting to note that the same people who were cast off in Jesus' time are often the same people who are cast off in our time. But whether you're cast off or accepted, whether you're considered in the upper echelons of our society and world, or you're considered the lowest of the low, if you crawled out of a gutter to get here this morning, Jesus doesn't care. He wants you to be his disciple. The second thing we need to pay attention to is that discipleship is not for us. Discipleship is not so that we can feel really great about what we're being for Jesus, because Jesus bids us to learn so that we can share, that we become disciples, so that through us living out Jesus' ways in our day to day lives, that people are drawn into this kingdom, that people who are weary, of our divided and fractured world with all of its its fake plastic barriers, that there's a place where all of those are broken down and a people where those barriers don't matter. And we need to affirm each other as we see... discipleship growing in each other. Women have not always been given their just due in the church of Christ. Many times, the role of women has been exclusively relegated to taking care of the children. Praise God, that is not here. I am proud of how our church allows women to engage in ministry just as much as men. But likewise, we can't just sit and be comfortable with that. We have to look and see what women and men are are living out the discipleship life. And who might God be calling to leadership in the church? Who might God be calling to a deeper level of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ? But I think the last lesson we learn Is that we can can put up these barriers in the church just as easily as we can in the world? And these barriers aren't physical barriers. We don't have a curtain running down the middle of the sanctuary. But do we have curtains in our hearts? Do we have a little priority system of the people who matter? at the top and the people who matter less at the bottom? Because that's antichrist. That is not of God. Because in Jesus, we are one people. Now you may raise an objection, somebody may raise an objection and say, okay, if all are one in Jesus, then why would we pay particular attention to women? And I think there are a couple of answers. One, the Gospels and Paul, so in other words, the majority of the New Testament, take special care to pay attention to women. If you read the last chapter of the book of Romans you find so many female leaders. The Philippian church, which was one of the churches that Paul didn't have so much trouble with, was founded by Lydia, a seller of purple cloth. We see that the first witnesses to the resurrection, the first gospel preachers, were women, and the men didn't believe them. We pay attention because the Bible pays attention. And we pay attention because sometimes we don't do a very good job in our churches and in our world of supporting women. And we have to face the reality that while we are one people here, when we leave on Sunday morning, we go into a world that is very different. And that's why it's especially important to live out God's ways, to live out the ways of Jesus in our day-to-day lives because it's good contrast. I said I was done in those two minutes at the beginning talking about the feet of Jesus, but I'm going to come back to it. Because there's one other place that we see the feet of Jesus. And we see the feet of Jesus hanging on the cross. And at the feet of Jesus on the cross, we see a lot of his female followers. We see some of his male followers. We see... Roman soldiers who are mocking. We have a Roman soldier who believed. And then there's us. And at the foot of the cross, at the feet of Jesus, we are one. All having been bought by the blood of Jesus And those are the feet that we sit at, and that is the cross that we follow. And that is the marker of the one family that we belong to. Amen.